Welcome to the Finding Sustainability Podcast. This is Stefan Partolo. This insight clip is taken from episode nine of the podcast with Juan Camillo Cardenas. Juan Camillo is a professor of economics at La Universidad de los Andes in Colombia. He is considered a leading expert in the field of experimental economics. His work is focused on the analysis and design of institutions or rules of the game that promote cooperation among individuals and solutions to social dilemmas in the most fair, efficient, equitable, democratic, and sustainable ways possible. In the clip, Michael is interviewing Juan Camillo about the role of experimental economics games in education and teaching. And so we've danced around another topic um, that I might want to make sure we get to before we're done here, which is, you know, the role of this approach in education, the role of this approach in economics education, etc. What what about, you know, using these games, do you think is um, helps them be effective in teaching students? I mean, I've. Um, as I just I mentioned to you before we began this interview, Elena Finkbeiner, who I know has worked with you, came to my class at Dartmouth about a month or so ago, and she led my students through a game. And it's just a very different process. And you can kind of watch the students get engaged with it. It, make, it makes me wonder about human nature and kind of what, what humans really want out of an educational experience. I was once watching some video about game design, actually, and some fellow said that you know, people don't want to be taught. They want to learn, you know, it's, and so it's, it's kind of the idea that like we all, we don't want to be lectured to as much as maybe we are. We kind of want to be empowered to kind of uh, take charge of our own education, right. even if we don't really know how to make that happen. Right. So I'm, I'm saying a lot of different things here, but do you think that, you know, this game based approach can really help how we teach a lot of these tools because maybe it's more active, that the students are more actively learning, et cetera? So, so I think it has to do with the experiential part of this, that, yeah. that being in the shoes of that abstract concept that you are teaching uh, in a lecture type yeah. of education, being in the shoes of those agents, actors, um, um, participants in the market or in a situation that you are trying to model and understand um, has a, a powerful pedagogical experience. I have had students of mine that remember 10 years later the very first day of class that they had in my introductory economics course in which I start the, the, the class with one of these market exchange games. Okay. And they remember vividly the experience of that day of understanding the forces of competition in the marketplace. So all these abstract concepts that we have in explaining the microeconomics of why uh, the exchange and the surplus and the consumer surplus and the producer surplus and the equilibrium and all these concepts that are many abstracts, uh, many abstract, but very abstract to, to, to many of the, of the people uh, that, that try to understand economics become clear there in, in, in the experience through the experiment. For some people in the teaching side, they, they fear that you're losing control of what you're doing <laughs> sure. because you are letting it go. Which is uncomfortable second, for a lot right, of us. For, for, because it's like losing power. Right. The, the second part is that uh, they think that they are missing the opportunity to explain abstract, difficult concepts in the blackboard because you are using up all your lecture time into right. one of these games. That's another big concern. Uh, and to me, it's not the case. It's a little bit about the concept of flipped classroom that we're right. seeing recently. Yeah. And this is one more chance to do flipped classroom. Maybe, this we need to work more, maybe engaging everybody 
face-to-face -face during a one and a half hour session of a class in an experiment well controlled that provides data and shows the data and, and then showing the data to the students, maybe it triggers curiosity to say, I was part of those data. Those data came because of my choices and my decisions and how different or equal am I to the rest of my fellow students in my class? And maybe I get more curious to see what does theory say about this? That's again one hypothesis. Having said that, there are recent studies, more rigorous experimental studies, who have tested different approaches of teaching concepts, at least in economics, using experiments, the typical classroom kind okay. of thing. And there are some promising news around that say that um, after controlling for the right variables and the correct randomization, it seems that participating in these experiments can create a, a learning experience in the sense of helping students to learn by themselves. Um, again, this is on the table and it's still up for, for, for demonstration and, and robust testing. But my feeling after all these years of using it in the classroom is, in the classroom is that it's a powerful device to get people thinking critically about what they are reading in the textbook. Right. Okay. And so you mentioned um, that maybe one of the frontiers in applying some of these games in the field is looking at maybe intergroup conflict. Mm -hmm. would, you, would you say there's a certain frontier in terms of applying them in the classroom? If there's things you could do that you haven't done yet before that mm -hmm. would just really get you excited or think mm -hmm. it would really help the students in a way that we're not seeing yet. So in the classroom is where, where a bit of this agenda emerged. Okay. Because I was thinking, okay, we're going to run within the classroom. This was 60 students. And I was thinking, well, we can we can run one big common pool resource for the entire class. Right. We can run separate, smaller groups, parallel sessions, but they are not interacting with each other. Right. And I also think, what if they have to interact across groups? And that's how I started. And I knew this was going to get tricky, sensitive, even ethically delicate mm -hmm. in the sense that you're when you put people to cooperate, it's like, it's okay, it's fine. This is about pro-sociality. Right. But when you put people to conflict with each other and, and there are grades involved and there are incentives involved. So by the way, I never use grades for incentivizing experiments. Right. I use either money or uh, chocolates or other things. Gift certificate or something. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, but it gets, it gets sensitive because yeah. then you can get into very... So if you do it in the right way and you're conscious of what you're doing, it gets very interesting because you are getting students involved through emotional processes. Mm -hmm. And these emotions are powerful from a pedagogical perspective. And probably many people have had transformative experiences in the classroom when there has been an emotional process. Emotional process can be of many kinds of... Uh, affiliation of, of attraction also of anger of also so if you, you if you control the right way but you allow some emotional process to happen they are very powerful so when you create conflict you can you, you have to be careful but it's I'm saying it's a it, it's interesting and it can be powerful to allow this because people are realizing that envy competitiveness anger um, um, lack of trust, uh, suspicious of the other, prejudices, all these things that are operating all the time in real life. Part of our equipment is... You can bring... Yeah. Exactly. You can bring them in there and play a role and see how people react and think about it. And then the pedagogical experience through the emotional process 
kicks in and stays there for a while. So if we can be reflective, as you were mentioning earlier, in the same way in the field of students can kind of ask themselves, why do I feel this right, way? How exactly. do I actually exactly. yeah, cope with that? Right. And, okay. and as an instructor, as a teacher, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, a, a trigger device, as a professor, you can, you can trigger that conversation that you just said, a reflection process of what just happened. Why, yeah. why did right. we feel that way? How we, why, why did we feel that way? And how that relates to your life here in the dorms or in other classes or right. in general in society? The same way as I do in the field with communities. What we just observed in this game, how can we learn from that game and how we can set up the conversation? Right. So to me, it's a permanent trip between the lab, the field, and the classroom. Yeah. And they are all related in many ways. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can find more information about all of our guests in the show notes for each episode. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, where you can share and further engage with the content, as well as give us your recommendations for future guests. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, and it can also be streamed from our website. This podcast is part of a larger project called the Environmental Social Science Network, www.essnetwork.net. On the website, you can become a member and use all of the resources provided for free. This includes webinar videos, a blog, knowledge base, and using the website as a platform for your own projects. We appreciate your support.